co, co, come mai, co, come mai, la Champions League tu non la vici mai. Uh, hey guys, welcome back to the Brothers of the World podcast. Um, it's been a while, it's been 20 days to be exact. We're right on the back of another win against Brescia today. Um, we've got a lot to cover. We're going to try to give our thoughts about everything that's happened since the break, and we're going to talk a little bit about what's going to happen in the coming week. Um, right now, I've got Hristo with me. Hello. Yep. Hello, guys. Uh, sorry for being so late. Sorry for not uploading last week, but due to, due to scheduling issues, we're unable to, to film the whole podcast. So now we are here and uh, Chino should come in uh, at the end of the, the podcast to give his opinions. So he's, he's working now. Yeah, we'll get, a, we'll get a full lineup here soon. But, uh, I mean, it's been life. We haven't been the best at keeping schedules. We've put out tweets asking for questions and then not answering questions because we haven't been recording but we'll get there we'll get plenty of questions at the end and this should be a good time uh we're going to start out here with the brescia game um risto you've got the lineups of course of course i always have the lineups i'm the lineup guy <laughs> so uh yeah. today we started with handanush and goal a backline of screener godin and the bray kandreva gallardini brozovic barella and azomo in the midfield and as usual uh, Lautaro and Lukaku up front and I mean both of them score so we'll get into that uh, yeah what did you think about the starting lineup choices I mean to me this is kind of standard with the injuries we have right now and the lack of depth that we have I mean it was expected I'd say uh, especially after since he got injured like a few weeks ago or a month now whatever it is I mean he came back he trained and he got injured again. So uh, I saw reports that he's coming back next week or he should be able uh, to recover even for the game against Bologna this Saturday. So I'm not surprised that Gagliardini started because he was the one that got the, mo- the most attention during the last couple of weeks because he showed a real progress, to be honest. Even though we were so critical of him in past podcasts, uh, he used the opportunity in the last games. He he was decent. He covered a lot of a lot of ground. He ran for ninety minutes, and I think that uh, we uh, we're seeing the improvement of Gallardini because we need him for the rest of the season. I don't know why Vecino didn't get any chance. Um, he wasn't even on the bench today. I guess he's injured. But uh, I expect Vecino to get even more chance in, in the next games. And if Sensi comes back, that's a real uh, depth that we have uh, in the midfield. As far as the other choices go, I mean, Barella and Brozic has been, have been uh, starting since the beginning, with the exception of Barella in the first two matches, I think. Lautaro and Lukaku have been decent throughout the season. I mean, not decent. They've, they've been really good. And they've been starting since uh, since the first game. Azomoa Kandreva also the backline was uh, decent, and I I was kind of surprised to see Godin being shifted from a central to the right uh, central back position. And I think that being centrally really uh, profits him because he is not the quickest, 
but he has a lot of IQ and he's the one that can dictate whether screener is in the right place or whether uh, the Vrais are in the right place to cover his player. So I think that I'm not surprised with the lineup, but uh, I cannot wait for Sensi to come back because we rely on Sensi too much. He's the one that creates assists, scores the goals. So, I mean, it, it, it is very, it's very expected from me. What do you think about the lineup, though? Did, did you expect um, Gallardini to start this game? Because I know that, uh, we all know that he's not the, the guy that has the most stamina. So maybe did you expect that Conte would uh, rotate a bit? I mean, if he could have, he probably would have. But, I mean, at this point, what can you really do? I was expecting Gallardini because I'm pretty sure Vecino somehow is injured. I'm not sure what happened. He probably picked up one of these mysterious thigh muscle injuries that everyone's been picking up this season, I guess, with actual intense training instead of whatever was going on before. But, I mean, Galliardini's been decent. I'm not going to call him great. He's never really going to be great. But he's getting back to at least being a decent player. And I think it's good that he's gotten this run of games, even if it's come at the detriment of losing Sensi, who can really turn the game for us, as we've seen. But for him to start, like, that's okay when you have a guy like Barella who's going to do much more of the running, much more of the fighting for the ball. He's going to just do a lot more. And it's kind of the, kind of the podcast jinx, isn't it, that um, Galliardini's done all right. Barella's turned it all the way back around. Lataro is just on a complete tear. Like every time we start kind of questioning a guy, he turns it around. So maybe if we start, you know, questioning a few of these guys who've been weaker recently, uh, we'll get it turned back around. But as for everything else, I mean, Kendreva, uh, he's pretty standard there at the wing back position now. I, I kind of quite like him there. Um, Asamoa, um, I think he is completely asserted his dominance in that left wing back position over Baragi, who looked like he might give him some questions at that position, but really hasn't shown out like he re- was really given a chance since the Sassuolo game. He was good against Lazio, but since then, I haven't really seen much from Baragi. So, I mean, um, we can't say enough about these two strikers that we've got going right now. Um, See, I'm not very convinced by Zamora, to be quite honest, because he's been a liability in defense for uh, a couple of weeks now because he didn't cover his um, his position very well in like a few instances that were very obvious uh, for the opposition player. So I think that Biragi deserves a chance, especially because he's been playing good whenever he got the chance. Even today when uh, they were like... Um, a few, I think two or three guys were around Biragi, or yeah, around Biragi, and he 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 got the foul that he needed because otherwise he would have lost the ball. And we've seen in so many instances last season and the season prior, we saw with Dalbert when he tried to dribble or do something stupid most of the time, he, he usually lost the ball in those situations. So Biragi, even though he he didn't do much. He still made the right decision to fall down or to to, to position his uh, leg so he would be in a way uh, in a position to fall down on the ground and ask for a for a foul, especially 
when the game is almost at the end in the 90-something minute. So I think that he has the IQ to, to play in such a wing-back position. <clears throat> Excuse me. Uh, and as you said, Kandreva, I like Kandreva in this position because for me, Kandreva is not a winger. He doesn't have the dribbling ability to be a winger. He's not quick. His decision-making is quite shit, worse than Chino. And he's not a right-back. can't even defend himself. Ah, fuck him. That's why I'm talking shit about Chino. And um, I think that he he deserves a chance. I mean, he got the chance that he deserved. So I'm not expecting D'Ambrosio to get hold of his position. And I don't know what did Lotaro. Uh, sorry, I, 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 I wanted to say Auxilio, but I thought of Lotaro. I don't know why. Um, I don't know what Auxilio or Marota, whoever signed Valero, saw in him. That guy has been fucking awful. Like, he, whenever he gets a chance, he fucks up. He fucked, he fucked everything. Like, when he got a ball against, I think, who it was. I cannot remember who, who it was. But he, he lost the ball in, like, three occasions in, like, seven minutes, something like that. Um, that's something that Dalbert and Santon would do. So, I'm, I'm, honestly, I'm quite disappointed from Valero. Maybe he, oh, from Valero, from Lazaro. Maybe he, he needs more time to adapt in the league, in the system. But for now and for the season, I think Andreva has that position locked. You said about the podcast jinx. And Shkriner scored an own goal today, even though he didn't score the goal. But he's been performing uh, better in the last couple of weeks. I wasn't convinced at the, at the start or even when we filmed the the last episode with Jay, uh, I think that he needs to, to play even better because he, the, I think the, the problem that Shkriya has is the, the confidence because when he has the confidence, you know, he makes those runs and he makes those tackles that in, in which that he enters into your leg, into the opposition leg. So I think that's the most important thing when it comes to Shkriya. So his confidence, if he gets his confidence back or, as soon as he uh, as soon as he gets his confidence back, he's gonna be the same old player that we all knew, knew from last season. Yeah, I think it's pretty. It was pretty unlucky on Skriniar for that own goal, but I mean, we'll get into that with the match as we get down to the second half. Um, what did you really think about the first half performance? Um, we had a lot more of the ball than we did in the second half. And it really just looked like the half out of the two that we were putting more together. And, I mean, it kind of tailed off towards the end, kind of kicked off between Galliardini and Tonali, who looked pretty good himself. Um, I got to give him some credit. Um, Tonali looks like a pretty good player. But, yeah, yeah, first half. Yeah, I think – I don't know if you agree with me, but I think the most important – I mean, not the most, but one of the most important – features of a contest system is to score a goal as soon as possible because if we, if we do if we do that or in any instance if we do that as it, as it was the case today with Brescia and Lautaro when he scored in 23rd minute uh, we we kind of fall back we still attack but if we fall back and Bre- we we gave the Brescia uh, we gave the initiative to Brescia to attack so we can counter them we know that we have we have the quality in the team. We are we have more quality than Brescia, quite objectively. So 
in my opinion, if you allow them to attack, you can use the spaces, you can use the, the channels behind their players in order to uh, have, a, have, a, have an opportunity to score. So today was, the, I think that was the main feature in the, in the first half. When Lautaro scored, we had the initiative. We were attacking the whole time. I mean, most of the time we had the ball so much. Like, I think it was a 70-30 in the end. I mean, in the end, in the first half uh, with the possession. It was like 74-26 or something like that. It was a lot of the ball. Yeah, and and that's that's why I expected. Because we scored, we still got the initiative. But in the second half, we we gave the initiative to Brescia. And then we started to play on the counter-attack. So I think the first half, uh, I think that's one of the main features. What do you think? Um, yeah, the first half, the goal was really a great boost. And I made a remark after the goal. I was like, yeah, that's going to open up for more chances. And I think you're right with this system, but it also kind of pertains to any big team playing against a small team is the earlier you get that goal and the more they have to try to peg you back, the better off you are than if it's a nil-nil in the 75th minute and they're just 11 men behind the ball, you know, like no space at all. Like if you get that goal, there's going to be some space. And there might be some tough moments where they're going to bring the ball at you and they're going to have a chance or two. But that's when like what happened in the second half where uh, Handanovic makes a save, throws the ball out, and then we get on the counterattack that leads to Lukaku's goal. Like, that's all product of this system that you really just want to get that goal, sit back, and have these two marauding strikers that are just really going to make the difference for you. Um, in the first half, I really liked having DeVry back. Um, the game against Parma, which was painful to watch, to say the least. <laughs> uh, we really missed him and his playmaking, his defense um, that partnership with Godin and Skriniar is huge. Um, these guys really have gained an understanding with each other. And I think Skriniar, of course, has had the least so far. But he's still doing very well in this back three. Like, when I saw that these were the three that were going to be at the back, I said it was going to be a clean sheet. Of course, it wasn't. But I felt much more confident than when we have any other combination of three at the back. Yeah, I think so too. But uh, talking about screener, I already said uh, what I had to say. But uh, going back to to the back three uh, with Devray, Godin, and Screener, I also feel like, in my opinion, when I spoke to a few, uh, friend of mine, I told him that Inter had on paper the best defense in the league because Devray is is I think he's the most underrated player at Inter because. This season has been better than Schneider, and even I would argue even last season that he was better than Schneider. In the first season, I think, yeah. So I think that he's so underrated that nobody actually sees uh, the, the 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 potential that he has or the impact that he has when he's playing. We saw that against Parma. Even though Parma had two chances, they scored both of them, and if the Vrai was there, maybe. He could have prevented that in a way. Who knows? Um, Godin has been the uh, the leader that we needed at the uh, at the back, because without him, I think we are lacking the true leader. Because he has won a lot, 
is playing uh, a three a three at the back with Uruguay, and he's been um, coached by by Simeone, who's excellent defensive coach. So I'm really happy to to see Godin back, and uh, he's been shaky in the past few weeks. As the same was with Shkina, but if Shkina didn't score his own goal, I I, I could have. I mean, I would say that he he was decent. He had a decent game, but. If it was 2-0 and uh, Brescia scored the lucky goal that they did, I think that it would have been it would have been an easier game to 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 end. Yeah, and you speak of Devry, and just to bring it up to mention another thing that he's been doing lately is his offensive contribution. Um, he's got two or three assists in the last four games, and he got another one tonight. He technically gets the assist on the Lautaro goal. Even though that was that that was an unlucky goal for Brescia, that was a lucky goal for us. But sometimes that's just how it goes. You get that bounce, and that's what you need to turn things around, especially after a match where we didn't really get any of those bounces against Parma. Exactly, and that was really good to set the tone for us and to move into the second half. Um, we were kind of getting pressed at the end of the first half. Uh, Tonali started to really do some stuff in the center of the pitch. Um, Balotelli, the whole match, just looked like a man that just wanted to score. He he didn't – he wanted to score so badly that it took away from his performance. And the other guy, Donnarumma, he didn't really do too much either. He had a couple of chances, but a lot of their threat really came from the midfield through Tonali in the first half and in the second half. Yeah, uh, Boltelli wanted to score so bad that actually that had an impact on his game. And uh, the commentator said that in uh, a, he, he didn't score in any of his uh, six games against Inter. So I, I assume that he wanted to, to score against us, especially what happened before he left Inter. So uh, he's not even worth talking about. Uh, him and Donnarumma were quite excluded from the game, I think. Even when Matri came on, I I wasn't worried because I saw Matri against I don't know who it was against Milan or Juventus. It, it doesn't matter. He, like any of uh, both of them, both Donnarumma and Matri had an awful game. And uh, the second half to me uh, was quite I don't know quite in a way not boring, but. Um, one-dimensional, I'd say, because we scored the, the chance that we had uh, with Lukaku with the counter-attack when Gagliardini passed the ball to Lukaku. Lukaku ran to the defender. Uh, I don't know who oh, it was. was yeah, and he struck the ball so beautifully. And um, he he went to, to Conte. They hugged like it was, a, it was a wedding night. So I was really happy to see Lukaku score, especially because Interisti... I mean, interesting with the court marks, where jumping on his back. I'm so happy to see him perform as he does or as he did in this game. So um, another thing I wanted to note is that in the second half, I've never seen so many fouls being called on the for the opposition or throughout the, the half. Like I think that every every um, I would say every tackle, even if it was as it was the case with uh, Esposito at the end of the game, when he tackled the player, I don't know who it was, uh, Brescia's player. Oh, that was a clean tackle. Yeah, 
like every single tackle was a foul, yeah. was rewarded a foul by the referee. So I think that I, if if the game was allowed to be a more like not rigid but more free flowing without many uh, fouls, like the small fouls, I think it would be it would have been even funnier. I mean, even a more interesting game to watch for the neutrals. But I mean, a, a, a win is a win, and just to add, I like Biragi a lot, and Esposito has been really, really good. Oh, yeah, I've been really impressed with Esposito over the past few matches. And uh, since we're getting into the second half, um, one thing that we cannot uh, overlook or overstate was Handanovic in this game. Uh, I think this was probably one of his more not, – not more. What, this was one of his most important games of the season. So far, as a goalkeeper, he was tested so much more than I can really think against any of the other smaller teams. Like, he had a lot of tough saves to make. Um, Balotelli was just terrorizing him, not even trying to score sometimes, just trying to run into him, piss him off. But uh, he kept a cool head. He made the plays he needed to make and really acted like a captain from the back. And after a couple of kind of shaky matches where he didn't really have too much to do, I think it was good for him to have a game to establish himself the way that he did today. He needed a game like this because he he made a difference in the second half. Bologna had a few chances, and the one that stands out was um, the Boltelli header, I think it was, when he made the double save on the line with his left hand, and then Boltelli missed the, the own open goal. But yeah... He needed this not only because of this game, but also because he needed to gain some of his confidence back, especially because we have um, an away game to Bologna, I think, and then an away game to Dortmund. So we need uh, Handanovic in, in, the, in the peak form for both of those games. And I think that, in a way, we didn't deserve this game. We didn't deserve to win this game, but... I mean, if we start to talk about uh, not deserving to win a game, Juventus has three, 23 points in nine games, and they didn't perform in any of, of the nine games so far because I've watched most of their games. They've been terrible. And the only thing that got bailed them out, in a way, was the individual quality of their uh, star players. So if we, if we had a bit uh, more, if we were a bit more lucky, we could have scored against Parma, but that's that we're gonna go into that later on. Yeah, and you mentioned the ref a little bit ago. I kind of want to go back to that because I don't think he really handled much of anything very well. Uh, starting at that Galliardini, uh, Tonali, uh, bust up, whatever you want to call it, Ralph, yeah, whatever football adjective you want to put in there. The pull against uh, Candreva 2.0. Yeah, yeah, so I mean, it was. You know, um, Tonali, Gallardini go down. Tonali says something. Gallardini pushes him. Uh, everyone freaks Yo, out. Imagine being Ref- pushed by that fucking that. Gallardini. Yeah, I mean, that didn't hurt. Like, he's no, got no, no. noodle arms. Come on. But imagine going home and telling your girlfriend or wife, I've been pushed by fucking Roberto Gallardini. I, I expect her uh-huh. to divorce him. Well, also imagine you're Gallardini and you go home and say, yeah, I just got owned by a teenager. <laughs> yeah, you're right. So it goes <laughs> um, 
but after that, I felt like there was a lot of just extra stuff going on. And then he was trying to compensate for it with all the fouls that he called because, I mean, you had Balotelli going at Handanovic, Balotelli going at anyone that he could possibly go at. Um, but, yeah, I just felt like there was a lot that he could have handled better, maybe given out cards earlier to try to calm things down. But, yeah, that's where it got really choppy, and that's where I felt like um, we kind of lucked out because we had already gotten the second goal. So it was just a lot of time being wasted. But if we were still chasing a goal, I would have been very upset trying to wade through all of that. But, I mean, that's just Serie A refereeing at its finest. Um, I, mean, I don't think there's too much for that. That's been happening for the past month. We saw referees throughout the Serie A, not only uh, on the referees that are refereeing the Inter games. I've seen terrible decisions throughout the league. So I'm not very surprised because it's what we expect or don't expect them to do. So, I mean... Ugh. What can you say about refereeing in Italy? It's it's overstated. It is what it is. Yeah, I mean, fuck the referees in Italy. That's I'm going. That's what I'm going to say. Yeah, I think that's about all there is to say about that. Um, what did you think about the subs? Since we're pretty deep in the second half now, I mean, we can go on about the Lukaku goal a little bit, about that amazing run. That's what we signed him for. And then we'll get to subs after this. Yeah. I'm now set on I'm now set on this goal. But that was that was peak Romelu Lukaku. I, that was what he does. Yeah, he, that and the goal against uh Sosolo when he bullied uh Peluso. Oh yeah, when he let it roll. Yeah. Oof. Both of those like are like how do you say it? The trademark um uh, Lukaku goals. Um, yeah. yeah, I think that Biragi deserved to start the game, not only to to come in instead of Azamoa, but I don't know. I like Biragi a lot. Uh, I even liked him when he was at Fiorentina last season. So him coming in, I think was very much needed because Azamoa didn't look as good as he looked in the first half or especially in the first like 30 minutes. Uh, as far as the Esposito Lukaku uh, substitution, I think that, I mean, 86 minutes, you take out your main striker, I mean, not one of the two main strikers, and you put um, a young striker that showed really big courage, and he could have scored if Lautaro was not as selfish as he was in this game when he took two defenders on him and Esposito was left behind them alone, and he, he was... In a way, a pissed at uh, at Lukaku or at yeah, you could hear him yell. Yeah, you hear him yell at least on the stream or not stream. I pay. I promise. I pay Syria. But <laughs> on like, I was watching, uh, you could hear him yell after Lautaro just made that head down run into like three guys. But I mean, that's kind of what Lautaro does sometimes. He wants the goal so bad that he's gonna kind of miss that pass a time or two. Yeah, but and, I mean. Lukaku, he's going to make a touch that sometimes isn't going to be on on point. And, I mean, even Esposito, he had a chance at the end of the Parma game where if he would have left it to Lukaku, that probably would have been the third goal. And we'd probably talk more about that match than we're going to. But it, the strikers are looking great, but they just – 
I feel like they're missing like maybe just a little bit more of that understanding that they need to really be lethal teaming up no matter who it is on the pitch. Imagine if we had Alexis on the bench to come in. That would have been amazing because as soon as he started playing good, uh, he got the, the red card against who it was. Centurion. Uh, uh, yeah. He got the red card, a very stupid red card, in my opinion. Okay, but also about that red card, is he the only guy in Serie A that's gotten a red card for simulation or a yellow card for simulation? Because, I mean, there was plenty of simulation in this match on both sides. Nobody got anything. I haven't seen a simulation call in any other Serie A match I've watched this season. But it depends on the referee at the end of the day. Because what's foul or what's penalty or what's... Because the handball rule is not a black or white thing. We spoke about that with Jay. So if you make it a black or white thing, then you'll know what's foul, what's uh, red card, and what's, uh, what's handball. But in this case, we don't know what's a handball and what's not a handball. So if you had a referee, so in the Champions League, that's the most obvious thing. Because if you had a referee from England, then uh, the game would be a free-flowing free game with a lot of like tough touches in a way, a lot of pushes, a lot of small fouls. And he would allow such game. But if you had someone from Italy, as, as it was the case today, imagine him uh, in a game between two English sides. Like they would, there would be fouls every 10 seconds. So at the end of the day, everything depends on the referee. In my opinion, that was a, if you are dumb enough to, to simulate or to, to fall, fall on the ground without any touch when VAR is in place. So if it was 10 years ago or seven years ago or five years ago, then okay, you can try your luck. But you have VAR. Imagine, in, uh, not imagine, but remember in, in the first season that VAR was implemented when, when De Rossi slapped someone. Um, <laughs> he slapped Locatelli. Yeah. <laughs> was it Locatelli? I remember that. Like, it's the it same. Was, you have VAR in place. You cannot do shit like that. You cannot just fall on the ground and uh, look for a penalty because today, uh, I think it was Donnarumma that fell on the ground and wanted penalty, but he stood up immediately when he didn't get uh, the penalty that he wanted. He could have been booked, but he didn't get uh, a yellow card. So, I mean, uh, it's not something that we or the league had decided on yet, but I think that um, at the end of the day, Alexis Gorar deserves the red card or the first yellow card. And if we had him today, uh, he could have come in easily for either Lukaku or, Mart or Martinez or if we need a goal, he could have um, replaced some of the midfielders. Even, you know, I mean, look at Politano. Like, Conte didn't make the, the third substitution. And in a, normal, uh, in a normal environment, a Politano would have come in. But Politano has been so bad in the past few games that Conte decided not to put him in. Yeah, um, back to the Sanchez point. We, that has come back to really bite, not really because of the red card, because he can't – Has he? I think he served the suspension. But then after that, like, he can't do anything because Quadrado is a mercenary and went out and on international duty. And now our squad has been, as Conte called it, razor thin. And we've had to play the same lineup and we've had to play Galliardini every match. And – I mean, that's kind of tough when you're chasing results or anything else. Um, but back to your point, Sanchez coming on in any of these matches would be as good as Esposito is. 
to have Alexis fucking Sanchez coming off the bench for you, that's like that's amazing. Yeah, and here we are. It's been fucking ripped from us because fucking Quadrado. I mean, can you blame Quadrado? He's been through a lot with Perisic, so he's just trying to trying to get a one back on him. Um, I wanted to ask you when when you said what Conte said on the press conference about the the squad being razor thin. Do you think that we'll sign anyone uh, in January? Um, I think we have to sign people, and it sounds like management agrees with Conte, which is a really nice thing. Instead of having like a few years ago, you have Spalletti begging on his knees for Raja, Valero, Raja, Vecino, and then after that, you have him begging for like, or you had Mancini begging for whatever shit player he wanted. Oh, don't so, don't talk about yeah, Tura like that. About who? Yeah, yeah, Ture. Oh, yeah, yeah, Ture. Yeah, uh, but he was getting old. And, I mean, he begged for other guys. He got Ed Air, and, like, what the fuck was Ed Air going to do? But that's another story for another Yo, time. Yo, come on. He, but he was one of the most important players at the end of the Lazio game when we entered the the Champions League. Come on, don't, dis- don't disrespect the Panterio legend like that. Uh, okay. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, uh, do you have any departing thoughts on this match before we move into all the other stuff that we've teased and missed? Uh, I mean, I have maybe I'm, like nothing specific to say. I I just wanted to point out the, as I said, the the counter attacking football in the second half that brought us the second goal. We didn't play particularly good. We won the game. I mean that's that's the the trademark of any like champion 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 club because if you can win games in which you don't perform as good or if you win a win a certain first or second half match without performing good that's a good sign because if you can win when you're performing bad imagine what you can do if you're performing at the top level so we're still missing Sensi who's been the best player at Inter. So we lost a, a player, um, Lautaro and Martinez uh, scored 11 goals, I think, in 10 matches. That's the most goals by Inter duo since Milito and Casano back in 2012-2013, I think, if I'm not mistaken. So that this goes to show that we're not dependent on, on one player, as was the case last season and five seasons prior to that. Um what else? I like Brescia. I think they'll 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 know they'll stay in the Serie A. And I don't know. That's it. Do you have anything to say yeah, about this game though? Tonali uh, looks like a really really good player. Um, that's what I really got from this match. Um, of course, we hear a lot about him in Italian media. And oh, I was a little doubtful because, I, I mean, I'd never really sat down and watched a Brescia game in Serie B or Serie A, and I wasn't really going to. So to see him and to see kind of what he's about, um, I think he's going to be a really good player. And whoever gets him um, is going to have their midfield sorted for a while. And you mentioned the goals. Um, another thing that made me really glad that Lukaku got that goal today 
was because people have been talking about that guy that's playing in Paris and how he got some goals on the weekend in Ligue 1 of all places. Um, so yeah, I was just glad to see that, to get that guy's name out of everybody's mouths, hopefully. No. Um, I mean, so asking, asking for that is like, I remember because I wasn't as active on, on Twitter back in, I don't know, 2012, 2013, or even 2014. Um, I remember people like crying for uh, Coutinho when we saw him and they were crying for him and they were posting every single game that he scored or assisted in. So I think this is the case with uh, the guy that went to PSG this summer because when he scores, people will still bang on about him even though he did what he did throughout the season, throughout the, the past season. So... Even I don't think it'll 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 get old in the near future. But if Lukaku keeps scoring, which he does, and he performs as decent as he did today, that's all I care. To be quite honest. Yeah, it was what it was. It is what it is, and it's just gonna stay that way. Um. So we'll move into kind of what we've missed since we missed um, the last pod. Um. We had the god awful match. Uh, we'll call that against um, against Parma, and of course, it was going to be who it was that scored. It was going to be Yan Caramo showing out this match. Uh, but I feel like the deeper problem within that match was what we do without Devry and what is going on right now, even into the Brescia match. What is really going on right now with Marcelo Brozovic? I think those are the two big questions we can take out of that match. And if you want to jump into one of those, go ahead. I think that Brozovic really underperformed in the past couple of games, especially the game against Parma. He was the main guy that, um, in a way, destroyed our chances to be on top of the Serie A right now, even in front of uh, Juventus. But Hey, I mean, who cares? Who cares? As long as we are winning the match, nobody cares. But in this case, we didn't win the match, even though we could have scored at the end when uh, Esposito had the ball outside of the box, outside of the um, the frames of the of the of the goal, and Lukaku had a clear opportunity behind him. So, I mean, what could have been? It could have been um, Lukaku scored again. Kandreva scored a nice goal, but at the end of the day, Brozovic was still the main talking point because he was the one that um, really underperformed in this game. And uh, this performance reminded me of, 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 the, of the recent times, I mean, not so recent now, when he scored the own goal against, or no, when, I, I, is it, was it Fiorentina? Like a year now. Penalty to Fiorentina. Yeah. He just put it out. Yeah, yeah. That was like 2017, 2018, early 2018, late 2017, something like that. I think, yeah, that's it. It reminded, it reminded me of that because he, it looked like he didn't care. But we, we came to know him that he's not like that. His body language is god awful, like even worse than Balotelli's. But he runs a lot, he gives a lot to the team. And I really like him as a player, 
I I hope that he can bounce back because he wasn't particularly good even today, and we 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 are used to seeing him perform week in week out in the previous games and even last season he was really good. So I think that he needs a bit of confidence boost. I don't know what that would I don't know end up with or how Conte could motivate him in a way, but I think that motivation is the key problem with him. What do you think? Um, with Brozovic, I just think the guy needs a rest. Guy needs a week off, needs to go, like, play with his kid or whatever, needs to, like, go bang his wife or whatever and, like, sit on the couch for, like, a day. Like, this man is just exhausted. You can see it against Brescia. You can see it against Parma. He's played every single match this season because there's no backup for him. Um, I think when since he gets back, I think we could see him slot just straight into that deep Regista position. And I think he could play there and we keep Brozovic. I mean, not Brozovic, God. And we keep Galliardini or Vecino flanking Cincy along with Barella on the other side. Because uh, I just really want to see Brozovic get a break because he's another one of these confidence guys. And when he's on his confidence, when he's on his day, like he looks like one of the best midfielders in the world. But when he's tired, when he's slinging his arms around more than usual, oh, that when pisses he's me off. When he's like, he just gets this look on his face too, where he just is like, "What the fuck is going on? It's everyone else's fault." And I, he just needs a break. And he gets a break. He comes back. Maybe he doesn't get that this week. Um, maybe he does, actually, with Cincy. Maybe Cincy can slot back in against Bologna. But if, and Brozovic can get back off and look for Dortmund. But, but uh, he just... No, I, but who, who, who's going to replace him if Cincy doesn't come back in the next week or so? If he needs oh, if Cincy doesn't come back, then he's just going to, like... He's just going to have to sling his arms around okay. some more because I don't, I don't see any other way that he's getting a break because um, it's clear that Conte doesn't give a fuck about Borja Valera. Uh, he's had like Sadly. five minutes all season, and we were trying to sell him to like Al-Ali or somebody out in Saudi Arabia with no replacement. And that just really shows you that that guy doesn't really mean anything to Conte or his system or anything else. And he's just going to get paid to train until we can get rid of him. And with that, there's no one else that's going to cover that position unless Cincy's going to do it. And if there's no Cincy, then we're not going to play a midfield of Gagliardini, Vecino, and Barella, I hope. Could Azamora so, actually play as a central midfielder because back in – Udinese, he was the central midfielder. So, what if actually, like, Barella went into Brozic's position, which I don't think he, he's competent to do so, but what if? Um, I, I like that. Um, I remember Asamoa even playing a little bit uh, in the midfield under Spalletti. I think he did it in one regular season game, but I really remember him doing it in the preseason. Yeah, uh, that in the first game. First I think. year. No, that was the second year under him. But, yeah, uh, in those first few games, that second preseason, he was playing a little bit of midfield because there was no one there. I think he could do that job. Um, but I still think the problem would be that nobody other than Cincy really 
can play that role that Brozovich plays. Like, you can put a guy there, but he's probably not going to do anything. And that's where our midfield issues are. That's where the real heart of it is, is that there's no Vice Brozovich. So we'll move right along here and get into the more fun match. Um, the Champions League match against Dortmund, of course, 2-0. Big win. Keeps us in the hunt. We're technically in the second spot in the um, group right now. And I know there's much more to talk about with this match. So uh, what did you think about the match overall? Anything that really stood out? I mean, what is there to say about the match? I think that we played a really good match. I think this is the first match that we looked like we are grown up. We're not a teenage guy anymore. We are a serious club with a serious manager who needs to perform at a high level because of the money invested in the team, because of the expenses, because of the, the, the fans that are behind the team. So uh, we started off really good. Again, Lautaro scored in the 22nd minute and he scored in the 23rd today against Brescia. So um, when we scored an early goal, we can actually afford uh, to sit back, not not worry about uh, our attacking ability because we we are confident, more confident in our defensive abilities with three world class center backs. So if you can afford that, you can sit back, just uh, let Dortmund attack attack you because Dortmund was very vulnerable in this case. There, um, they were playing with the three at the back, which they didn't do throughout the season. This season, uh, I saw a couple of games of theirs, and throughout the season, they've been playing with four-two-three-one or four-three-three, whatever it is, um, the whole season. So I think that they try to make an adjustment to their game plan, to their tactics, in order to compete with Inter. But if you are playing the same formation that you're playing. Uh, that the opponent is is using, it basically comes down to the quality of the players, to the game plan, and to the manager. So if you have a better manager and better team using the same formation, most of the time, the the team with the I mean the club with the, the with the better team would come on top and would win the match. Uh, Royce and Paco Alcacer didn't play for Dortmund. Um, both of them are very crucial to their game plan because Paco Alcacer has been scoring left and right this season, and Royce, I mean, Royce is Royce at the end of the day. So, uh, we scored an early goal. Uh, I wasn't really bothered that we we would concede, especially because uh, Sancho was the only threat to our goal. He he started off uh, on the right against Skriniar, but Skriniar really closed him off, like... Schneer was especially good uh, in this match. Uh, he really performed when he needed to. And we saw, I think it was the 30th minute or something like that, uh, delayed in the first half, when Sancho went on the other side where Godin was and he tried to exploit Godin not being so quick uh, and tried to get him off uh, on the wrong foot in order to get past him to maybe threaten uh, the Hananovic's goal. So I think the first half went really in our favor, uh, especially the chances that we had in the first half. 
there weren't so many, but still, like, Inter, we scored the chances we, that we needed to. And at the end of the day, that's, only, uh, that's the only thing that matters. Yeah, um, with this match, um, I really enjoyed. This was a fun one to watch. Um, I felt like we were the more dangerous the entire match. And I agree that I didn't really feel like they had too much bite in their attack. They would run at us, and maybe you get a little nervous because, you know, anything can happen. But I felt like once somebody was able to stop their run and everything kind of settled back out that we were positioned and just had the better personnel for this match to just really hold on to that lead that we got early and then add on the Kandreva goal late because they're pushing everything forward, trying to get that goal. And Kendreva just fires it in on a counterattack. And, I mean, that's good for him. We keep his confidence high. That'll keep him playing good out on the right. Um, this was kind of a sketchy game for Lukaku. And I saw a lot of his, you know, detractors, whether they be of the Manchester type or of the Inter type, um, really harping on it. But, I mean, everyone has off matches. Um, it was a tough one. Um, you can't let him completely off because it's a big game. You need your big game players. But that's also a good thing about having two strikers, that if one guy has an off night, the other guy can step up and really take the heat. And I felt like that's what happened, that Lautaro really showed up. Lukaku didn't have his best match. Maybe the three at the back adjustment did work in that respect, but still got the goal through Martinez. And then when Esposito came on, I felt like he did really well. Um, This was really our first glimpse at him for more than like 20 minutes. And he, of course, won the penalty running down at Hummels and Weigl. And that's impressive to do that in the Champions League off the bench against – I mean, Hummels is a really good defender and Weigl is no slouch himself. And, I mean, Lautaro misses the penalty. But still, that's great to see from this kid, and that has set the tone for what he's done in the matches after. Yeah, um, as you mentioned, um, I wasn't that surprised by Hummels because I was watching uh, the game between Dortmund and um, Barcelona when they played in the first leg, I think, uh, in the group. So uh, Hummels was by far the best player in this game, in that game. So that goes to show you how good Hummels still is. So I'm not surprised that he successfully uh, played into, or Lukaku played into Hamels' hands. But still, uh, I wanted to see more from Lukaku. But at the end of the day, as you said, that's why you have two strikers. So if one of them doesn't perform on, 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 a, on a certain level, you have still Lautaro, who's world-class this season, who's been scoring, assisting, opening spaces for his, uh, his players. But also, he's been contributing and he's improving with every single game. So, uh, as you said, Esposito was really surprising to me because I didn't expect Esposito to come in and um, play as good as he did. We saw that when Hummels, who, by the way, is not uh, that quick, uh, actually got tired, his stamina went down, 
And who exploited that? Exactly, Esposito. Esposito was the one to exploit the, the, the channels behind him, to exploit the, the positions that um, Lautaro actually took a few players on his back. So Esposito in this game had so many opportunities to uh, showcase his abilities both on and off the ball. So the one that stood out was, of course, the penalty that was committed on him, which Lotaro didn't, uh, didn't uh, convert into a goal. But still, when we're talking about um, Esposito, we're talking about a talent, a generational talent, in my opinion, because I've seen a couple of games uh, last season in the Primavera, but still, the level is not as good as it is in, in, a, in a senior league, even in the Serie B. Um, but I'm, I'm really surprised by, by Esposito. I didn't expect for him to be this confident and this good in his first game uh, in the season. So um, you said about the second half. I just wanted to, to praise Kandreva a little bit because um, in this particular uh, instance, he made the right uh, decision to actually shoot the ball instead of passing the ball. He could have passed the ball uh, to whomever it was. I think it was Lautaro, or it doesn't even matter. Uh, he would have passed the ball even backwards, but he chose to shoot. We know that he has a powerful shot, not very accurate in most of the time, but still, uh, it was a nice finish, and um, we, we didn't allow Dortmund to have any say in this game. Both our midfield and our uh, defense completely dominated Dortmund in this game. So I'm really glad that we, we won this game because next game we have to stay unbeaten. Yeah, and one more, um, one more guy I really want to give credit to from this match was Barella. I felt like he had a really great match that he really did a lot of the dirty work in the midfield and kind of kept Witzel and Delaney kind of on their toes, a little off stride. And, yeah, he just – that guy runs. He just has an engine like nothing else. And I'm really, really glad to see him uh, say he's shown out really well in the Champions League. He got the goal on the first match day that secured the draw. He's done the dirty work in the other matches. He's done the running, the tackling, even some nice passing. Like he can, he can ping some balls out there. But yeah, I just uh, there's, I don't think there's enough that I can say about Barella over the past month or two. Yeah, he's been he's been very good. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Just one more thing on Esposito. Um. Esposito. Esposito. I still don't know how to pronounce his name, but. And I'm bad for pronouncing names. I've gotten so much <laughs> shit. I'm sorry. I am just a poor Southern Belle out here trying my best. Um, but um, I've watched some of his stuff at youth levels with the Italian national team, watched some Primavera, um, and everything that I've seen and, like, in the senior matches that he's been out in and the preseason matches he was out in, like, I don't know. This guy looks like he has everything. Um, we know the finishing is there from at least the Primavera and youth levels. He's got the finishing. We've seen his dribbling on every level. He's He had some really nice dribbles, some nice runs. Um, and I haven't really seen much of his passing, but I just feel like this guy really is going to be something. He's still only 17. 
Um, I'm just really excited to see what he becomes in the future, and I can't wait for him to get his first goal. And it's going to come sometime soon, and I can't wait. I mean, it would be really, really good if he he scores in the next couple of games, especially if he can score against Dortmund and maybe give us give us a win next week. Um, that would be the perfect debut goal. But who knows? Uh, I'm very excited to see him even start maybe in some of the games. But uh, as of now, I think both Lautaro and Lukaku deserve to start. They are developing their chemistry, and um, I just hope that we can actually like perform really good next game against Bologna because it's going to be a tough one. And so the final game that we missed after the international break was the seven-goal thriller, uh, nerve-wracking, hair-pulling, whatever you want to call it, match against Sassuolo. The 4-3... Um. Yeah, that was four three three. Though, yeah, yeah, it's good to get the monkey off your back to beat Sassuolo, but you kind of come out a little wounded that you give up those goals in the second half in that fashion and come out after being the best defensive team in Syria and you leak three goals in one match. Yeah, I think uh, this has been a very particularly uh, particularly the first half has been very important uh, part of our game or our journey this season because Sassuolo away is a very difficult game, especially for Inter, because we know uh, how much Sassuolo hates Inter. We know how much some of the ex-presidents uh, hated Inter. So they, they, had a, they were motivated even more than usual uh, on a usual day, on a regular day. Um, they wanted to beat Inter for him. So I think that Inter came out really, really good. And especially after Berardi scored a really nice goal, uh, Pasandanovic. And I think it was Skriniar who didn't cover uh, Berardi as he should have done. Um, again, uh, I mean, I just noticed that Lautaro scored three goals uh, in a row, I think. Or it doesn't even matter, but Lautaro scored in the second minute, which allowed... Um, Inter to sit back and allow Sassuolo to attack. In this case, Sassuolo did score, but Inter really bounced back with uh, the Lukaku goal, who we already mentioned that was uh, a trademark goal for Lukaku. And uh, I just just hope that we can continue in this fashion. Um, I just wanted to point out that the last 20 minutes were very bad especially um, when um, I think it was Jeremy Boga that, come, that came in in the 52nd minute. He really made the difference, uh, as it was the case with Filip Juricic, who also scored with both of those substitutions. Uh, both of them came in and both of them scored. So I think that we have to improve on that. And um, uh, if we can actually like continue in this fashion, winning the games against the smaller positions... In this case, Sassuolo is one of those like mid-table teams that Inter struggled um, against. And uh, the last thing I wanted to mention was that Bassoni was not a, had a really, I would say, in a way, poor game. But I mean, he, he ah, he's still young. He did some good things, so I cannot talk shit about him. Uh, I wanted to to praise Gagliardini because. Uh, this was the game that Gagliardini really stood out to me because he 
when we play at 12.30 on Sunday against Sassuolo, he actually performs like he's another player. I mean, I don't know what to say about him. He's a very strange player. I, I hope that he continues to play like this. And, um, I mean, what's there to say? Lotaro had, a, as I said, pretty nice game, even though he missed a couple of chances that he should have scored, especially uh, after he scored, I think it was the 10 minutes, a few minutes before uh, Berardi scored. He had an opportunity one-on-one that he missed uh, his shot just wide out of the post. Um, Lukaku, when he scored, Peluso, that was the reason, as you said, uh, a few minutes ago, I mean, not a few minutes ago, but like 10 minutes ago, that we signed Lukaku for that. And um, as far as the game goes, or the second half goes, sorry, uh, Jeremy Boga made a really good impact for Sassolo. Like, I like him a lot. Uh, he's one of those Chelsea products that did well in the Serie A, just like Ola in the last season. I like both of them. If we need a left wing back or someone uh, that can play in the midfield, in the attacking positions in the midfield, I think we can look for Jeremy Boga because... I like him a lot. And um, the last thing I wanted to mention, as you said, uh, Handanovic was really decent today or was a crucial factor today against uh, Brescia. But against Sassolo, um, he, in a way, like, the thing I hate about him is that those instances in which he did, he doesn't even try to handle the ball. Or he doesn't even try to to get the ball or... I don't know how to explain that, but as we have some people say, yeah, very often. If he if he can sort it out, I mean, if Corte can 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 sort it out, it would be the, he would be the perfect keeper. But um, he made a few mistakes against Sassuolo, but then again, he saved a couple of shots, so I cannot say shit. Uh, we won the game. That's the most important thing, but we need to stop allowing stupid goals being scored against us. That's it. Yeah, uh, you talk about Galliardini, and I just uh, want to say that if Galliardini could play against Genoa, Sassuolo, and Sampdoria every match, he would win the Ballon d'Or. Um, like, those three he shows up against everyone else. He's either just decent or a ghost. But when these guys come to town or we go there, there he goes crazy. Huh? Looking ahead, uh, we got two more matches in the upcoming week, um, Saturday and Tuesday. Um, on Saturday, we've got Bologna away, which is always a tough match for Inter. Um, uh, the biggest memory in recent years for me from there is the place that – Gabby Goal scored his only Serie A goal in the Sprite Kits. Beautiful. Big up, um, big up. Yeah. Um, so for modern day issues, though, um, they're going to be without Mattia Destro, uh, Takihira Tomiyasu, they're right back. And they're going to be without former Inter midfielder Gary Medell. Um, all those guys are going to miss the match. Um, Destro is always a threat against us. Tomiyasu has been good this season. And Adele would probably score some ridiculous goal just because Inter. Um, I'll have Mihailovic back on their bench at home. That's a big boost for them. 
Um, so that'll be something to watch for. Um, uh, yeah, they this I week think... too, I believe, or they play tomorrow. Sorry. Yeah, they're they're playing tomorrow against uh, Cagliari. Did you have anything else to add? To me, uh, just watch out for their pitch, maybe. Um, I'm not sure what their pitch conditions are, but it seems like every time we go there, it's just like a potato field. Um, I think if they can play their game, their shithousing game on a potato field, that they could do something against us. Um, they're sitting pretty decent this season. They are 10th right now, solidly mid-table. And these are the teams that have traditionally, or over the past few years, this is when Inter does enter things and fucks up. So um, it's a big test, as any other mid-table match has been for the mentality of this squad. This is the most important, like this is the most important thing about this game, is that <clears throat> in previous seasons. We've lost these kind of matches. Even we would have lost the match against Brescia if it was some other season. Yeah, I think we would But, have lost Parma. Yeah, yeah, true. I mean, that that can be also said for like uh, what was the game prior to that? Like uh, Sassuolo could have scored the fourth goal. Uh, Lazio could have scored, and like actually, if Korea scored those chances that he had against us. Milan, I mean, no, Milan, we would have been in <laughs> Milan even in 2013. But uh, as far as the, the game against Bologna goes, I think that we, I mean, as you said, Bologna has been bang average this season. Like, they've scored 12, they've um, gave out 12 goals, but also they have 12 points. And they're in 10 positions so far. Uh, so talking about average, like they they're leaky at the at the back because even though their team is good on paper, especially the the attack, their defense hasn't been as good. They got Danilo, the guy from Udinese, the Brazilian guy that we were interested in when we didn't have any um, defensive or we didn't have any central defenders back in 2013 or 2014. With Matsari, it doesn't even matter now. Um, they have Krejci at left back, which pff, it's questionable because he arrived last season from uh, Slavia or Sparta Praga. Let me check on oh, Sparta Praga as a um, as a left winger, I think it was. But now um, Mihalovic converted him into a left back, and Bayern and Bayern is, uh, is is playing as their right back so far. Our uh, Primavera kid, and they have Bunny too, uh, the the guy from Kievo that uh, signed for Bologna this season. Skorupski is the only bright, the bright I don't know the bright star in this in this case because I really like him a lot. Like I rate him a lot. He's one of my favorite keepers in Serie. A. He's been so underrated in in past seasons, and I think uh, he would have been. Miles better than uh, Olsen was last season at Roma. If Roma actually kept Skorupski and didn't sell him for like eight, nine million, if I'm not mistaken. So, there, Bologna is there for takings because their their midfield with Poli and Jomeli is not as good uh, as it could have been in in other cases. But 
their defense is, uh, is, is the worst part of their team, I would say. Palacio could be a threat for us and Santander. But, I mean, if we are a serious team, we should never, ever get, get uh, to, I don't know, to even talk about drawing with uh, Bologna or not even beating Bologna. Um, Bologna in the last game beat Sampdoria 2-1, but at the end of the day, who doesn't even beat Sampdoria nowadays? Like, they are the worst side this season. Um, as far as the head-to-head goes between us and Bologna, is that in the last five games, we um, we lost to Bologna last season. Uh, the home game, actually, we lost at home with Santarden scoring in the first half. Then we won uh, 3-0, we won 2-1, we drew 1-1, and we won, uh, we won 0-1. So we actually won three out of the five games, which is not bad, but uh, if you want to win the Scudetto or if you want to be a contender for the Scudetto, we have to win matches like this. So if, if we are actually saying predictions about the match, uh, who knows? I mean... I would go with 2-1. 2-1 seems to be the result nowadays. So I'm going to go with Lautaro scoring the first half in the 27th minute, as it was the case so far. <laughs> and I'm going to go with Esposito. I mean, no. Do I go with Esposito? Yeah. Esposito and Lautaro and Palacio for Bologna. What about you? Yeah, that being said, um, we can chalk this down as a 2-2 Palacio and... Pulley for wow. them? No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. That, that's just <laughs> worst case scenario. That's just the inter thing. But um, hopeful heads prevailing. Uh, I'll go with a 3 1. Um, for us, since he comes back, it's a goal. Uh, DeVry finds the back of the goal, and Lautaro gets another one. Um, and for them, the one. Let's say Santander gets it. That's not a bad shout, to be quite honest. Either him, uh, Palacio, or Poli. There's nobody else. <laughs> yeah, it, it writes itself these days. <laughs> and it all depends on how they come out tomorrow against Calgary, too. Like, you never know what could happen. They could pull out an injury. Who knows? But that should be a good game to watch tomorrow if anyone needs a game to watch. Calgary, Bologna. Check it out. Um, then midweek or Tuesday, I guess it's still early in the week. It'll be the reverse fixture, Dortmund Inter. We will fall in Stadion. Um, they will most likely be without Paco Alsair, um, Marshall Smeltzer, and possibly Roman Berkey due to the flu. So you never really know. Um, but if they're without these guys, that's another huge boost. That would be pretty much the same team that we faced last week. Um, with the exception of Royce. Yeah, with, with the exception of Royce. I forgot that. Fuck, that's going to be scary. But, <laughs> um, yeah, Royce coming back into their side. Okay. But but Alcacer, Alcacer, um, Alcacer. Yep, that's how you pronounce it. I'm getting it right this time. I promise. I'm gonna pronounce it. <laughs> right. Um, but yeah, he'll be a big miss still. He's really their center forward. They don't really have any other out and out center forwards in that squad. Um, 
Yeah, they play tomorrow also, I believe, in the Cup. And we just really have to watch out for going away to the stadium because, I mean, it's one of the most famous in Europe. It eats teams alive sometimes if they let them. Yeah, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna talk too much uh, about the game against Dortmund because uh, we don't know what's gonna happen uh, with Dortmund tomorrow against Mönchengladbach with the game that have that they have um, on the weekend. So maybe they'll have somebody uh, injured, or maybe Burki will come back, or who who knows. Um, but as you said, they are a tricky side, especially at home, because I mean. In my opinion, the atmosphere does itself or takes its part. And, and I mean, the loss against Inter last week was um, <clears throat> the first loss they had uh, since they lost to Union Berlin on the 31st of August. Uh, so basically, it's their second um, loss in the, in the season so far. So they're very good side and they're very good side, especially at home. Um, but they sit fifth they're... in the Bundesliga. But the the difference is quite small. Like they're three points uh, away from Motion Gladbach, and they beat Motion Gladbach on the nineteenth of October. So they are a damn good side. If you can beat the the, the Motion Gladbach team that's first in the Bundesliga, that's a, that's a good a good result. But I think that their defense is not as good as it could be. Uh, Hummels is the one that comes to mind that's very good, uh, that stands out, actually, uh, because Hakimi is not as good defensively as, it he, as he is offensively. And uh, Schultz is... I like Schultz a lot. He, he's a very good offensive guy, but again, I, I'm not sure about his defensive abilities. So um, they drew against Schalke this past weekend. And as I said, they have two games in between Inter. So if I had to, to predict the match, I would go with 1-1 or 2-2. But yeah, I would say 1-1. As far as the goal scores go, I'm going to go with... Who did I go with? Brozovic free kick and Hummels header. What about you? Um, yeah, I was going to go with a draw, too. This is a game that you can't lose if you want to advance in the Champions League with the way the group has fallen so far. Uh, a lot like last year, it's going to be a battle between Inter and insert other middle team for that final spot. Um, <laughs> of course, it came out. Um, we didn't get the head-to-head loss to Tottenham. You, you all know the story. It's not fun, but got to at least draw this game. You cannot lose this and hope to advance in the Champions League because then uh, on top of like taking care of Slavia Prague, who have been ridiculous in the Champions League, they've lost to Dortmund and they've lost to Barcelona, but they drew against us and they've looked threatening against everybody. So on top of having to like handle business with those guys and win in Prague, you'd have to get a result, probably a win against Barcelona to advance. And 
I don't know. You'd have to win. Well, I mean, at home to Barcelona, this isn't the greatest Barca team. You could probably draw that game, but it makes it a lot easier. And it would be a lot better on my heart rate, everyone else's, if we get the result from this game and can hopefully have a better outlook at advancing in the Champions League this year. What about the the, the prediction for the results? Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, I agree. I'm going to go 1-1. Um, I'll say that it's going to be Barella for us and Royce for them. So, yeah, I mean, that's all we can really say about the matches right now. There's a lot that can happen in a week. So we'll just be on the lookout, hope for the best, and we'll go ahead and get to some questions since we've got a lot that we have not covered in the past couple of weeks. So let's get into them. Yeah, we're due for answering questions. So um, the first question that we have um, is from Rolf. And he asks um, to give your thoughts and opinions on João Mario's performance against Juventus uh, in the Champions League, which is a bit random. But what do you think about the, about his performance? <laughs> um, yeah, I remember that match cracking on. That was we had a Champions League match that day too. But uh, for those who may have missed it, um, Locomotive Moscow, João Mario's hopefully permanent club went to Juventus and really handed it to him for about 60 minutes. And Jean Mario featured. Um, I didn't watch the full match, but he handled himself pretty well. And it seems like he's pretty well liked there in Moscow, which is good. Hopefully they will keep him because that is his level. Uh, the Russias and the Portugals of the world are just his level, but uh, he did all right. Um, It's good that he's doing that. I can hear the change jingling in the summer. But um, he was also a victim of another one of those horror tackles by Juan Cuadrado that we all know so well. But he got up, but Cuadrado didn't even get carded because Juventus. But, yeah, um, it's good that he's doing good. I wish the best for him. That's his level. Honestly, I didn't see the game, so I'm not just even – I'm not even trying to comment. So, we go, we, we're going to the other question that Vanda Marner had, and that's um, the thoughts on Lukaku. He asked for Chino's opinion, but since Chino bailed on us again, what's your opinion on Lukaku, Mike? Oh, yeah, I'm uh... – I love the guy, honestly. Like, I liked him at Everton. Um, everyone knows about his Manchester struggles. Who hasn't struggled at Manchester United in the past three years? Um, but, yeah, I was big on this guy when he came in. The goals he scored, I mean, he looks a little goofy sometimes. That goal against Parma was a little goofy. But he scores. That's what this guy does. He'll run at you. He'll bully you. He's got the cannon of a left foot from distance. I just want him to, like, rip a free kick one of these days. But I really like Lukaku. I've liked Lukaku for a long time, and I'm glad he's the number nine on the squad. I think he's what we need. He's a positive influence. And, yeah, just everything about him. What's there not to like about this guy other than, you know, his first touch that everyone goes on about? Oh. But he's looking better at that. Like, he's improving his first touch, in my opinion. And Nobody cares about his first touch as long as he's scoring. Let's be honest. 
I I just hope that he he can continue doing his thing. He already scored six in ten, so that's on par with my expectations because I said in the preview uh, for the season when we did it with Badar that he is the one that needs to score at least fifteen and has like five assists. So twenty goal contribution would be more than enough. I would say decent season for him would be. 25 goals or 25 goal contribution. So he's on par with that. So I'm not very fussed about that. Uh, I just hope that um, he gets the opportunities and he gets the chances that he got so far. He's the one, he's the player that Conte wanted. So as long as Conte wants him and Conte thinks that he's fit for the system, I'm not very, very worried about that. Uh, he's not the best goal scorer. He's not, I, I almost said his name. Uh, he's not as good as the PSG the guy. guy. Yeah. yeah. Uh, when it comes to goal scoring, but he has everything that... He... Oh, fuck. I did it. almost did it again. <laughs> he's everything that uh, the guy from PSG is not. He's strong. He's fast. He opens a lot of positions. Um, he's not selfish. Uh, what else? Like, he's... Uh, he doesn't have a wife on TV. Yeah, that's a good way to to end to to finish up the question. So yeah, I, I look I like Lukaku a lot uh, as did Mikey. So we can continue from that to the other question that Interba had, and that's rate our starting eleven one by one. So what we're gonna do is I'm I'm gonna, I'm gonna read the players one by one, and Mike, you just give me one through ten. One out of ten. Yeah, maybe. just rapid fire. We'll we'll get this done real quick. Kandanovic. It's like ripping the band-aid off. Uh eight out of ten. Seven out of ten. Skriniar. Uh this season, six and a half out of ten. I mean we're talking about this season, right? Yeah, yeah. I didn't know if it was this season or just like overall okay. opinion of the guy. So I'll just go with this season. Okay. This season I would say Skriniar ah four four out of ten because he's been below average for me. Godin. Uh, Godin, uh, seven out of ten. I would say six out of ten for me. Devray. Uh, nine out of ten. That that guy's great. Wow. Okay. Uh, I'm gonna go with seven because he's been better than. Oh, right. he's been better than Godin so far. Uh, Candreva. Uh, six out of ten for his position. Like that's that's all you can ask from that really? guy. Really. I would go with 9 out of 10. Ooh. Sensi. Uh, 10 out of 10. Same. Brozovic. That's bandwagon. But, um, Brozovic has been a 6.5. A, a little disappointing. Uh, 7 for me. Barella. Barella, slow start. Uh, 7. Yeah, 7.5. Azamoa. Ah. Uh, I think about on the same level as Kandreva. I give him a six. Yeah, same for me. Six out of ten. Lukaku. Uh, seven out of ten. He's scoring when we need him to score. Not doing much else. He's done what we ask. Yeah, I would. I would agree. I would say seven point five though. Uh, Lotaro. Uh has shown up recently. Uh, love the guy. Uh, eight out of ten. Yeah, eight. Eight point five for me. So. Omar asks, um, which is the better choice for us in the Mercato, Rakitic or Vidal? 
he continues to say that uh, assuming both of them were would cause the same. Oh boy. Um I think Vidal it would be short term, but I think Vidal would fit more of the kind of personality we need in depth than Rakitic. I would go with Rakitic because if we wanted a player like Vidal, we would have kept Raja. Vidal is the same player. Ah, the same player as Raja, as I already said. A shittier version of Raja. I'll go with Rakitic because I like Rakitic a lot and uh, he's younger, I think. So, yeah. And he's, he's born in Switzerland, so he's a European citizen. Ricky Gaggi asks, uh, do we need to rotate massively to avoid fatigue? Um, in some places, yes. Brozovic really needs it. Um, Skriniar could use it, but I think he just really needs some confidence. And we know that Godin's aging. He really needs breaks. Um, but yeah, I think everyone else can pretty much play day in, day out. Uh, especially like guys like Kandreva. Like that guy is fitness-wise a unit. And I just think that those guys can make it without rotation. But some guys really do need it in the squad. I I, I do think so. Um, last season, we've seen uh, instances in which Schinner didn't perform as good as he could have because we didn't have anyone to cover for him. Especially when Miranda uh, got called upon. He wasn't as good in some games, but uh, this year, that's the case with Godin. Uh, I just hope that Bastoni can step in when we needed him to because... In those in those matches, he can uh, he can learn from from the experiences that he he gathers. So I would say Godin, uh, as you mentioned, Brozovic, because we don't have anyone in that position and in his role is especially. Uh, if Sensi comes back, then as you said, Brozovic can rest uh, and Sensi can play. Uh, who else? Um, I would say I want to see Biragi instead of Azamoa. And that's it. That's it for me. Last question, or the penultimate question, comes from uh, Adriano FC, who's asked, do you think, uh, what do you think of Brozovic this season? He continues to say that he personally thinks that he's inconsistent, uh, and that's even before this game. I'm not sure even if we're expecting more from him or if he's kind of stagnated. Um. I think I kind of covered it earlier. I don't think he's stagnated, um, and I don't really think he's been inconsistent. I think it's just been the last couple of matches, and I think he's just burnt out, needs a rest. Um, but the main problem with that is where do you find the rest for him? Yeah. I mean, I kind um, of agree with you. Um, we know that Brozic is, is very good when it comes to his footballing abilities, but he needs, he needs a rest. Uh, I remember last season when him and Perisic, both of them play like every single uh, World Cup game and they had like a few weeks or not even a month to to rest before the season started. And when the season started, both of them were playing week in, week out and we didn't have anyone to replace them. So I think that he deserves a bit of rest because he played every single game, which wasn't the case with Sensei. Now that he's injured, and uh, Barella who didn't start at the at the, uh, at the the at the beginning of the season, so he's the only one in the midfield that didn't have any rest so far. 
And um, yeah, get that guy. Um, get that guy a Corona and a frozen pizza. In a cart, not to be not to be yeah. <laughs> uh, And the last question comes from uh, Andre, who's been very loyal to our podcast, and he asks uh, about our opinion about the goal of the season so far. Who's your goal of the season so far? I know mine. Fuck, um, oh, this is hard, man. Um, uh, in terms of importance or like on the stage that it was on, I think Lautaro in the Camp Nou was like massive. But just for me to watch over and over, um, give me Lukaku's goal today. Oh, you forgot one goal, though. Andreas goal against Lecce. Okay, yeah, but I don't know. Yeah, that's my choice. That's my choice, to be honest. That's a good shout. Um, I've never seen Ken Dreva thunder fuck a ball like that. Yep, that's all the questions. So we're finally to the end. This has been a really long episode. Um, If anyone is still listening, wow, what are you doing? Don't forget to read the podcast. Yeah, rate it, like it, share it, tell your friends. Um, Yeah, uh, thanks for listening. We hope to be back out quicker than this past one. But thanks for sticking with us, and thanks for listening to this episode. And we'll see you in the next one. Thank you.